Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, Queens. This is Queens Unburdened. This is Dr. Kamiko. Hey, hey, hey. This is Crystal Turner. And this is Queens Unburdened, a mental health perspective for women of color. Today, we have a special guest for our December 2023 um, podcast. Nyjah Garza is the founder and CEO of Daniels Harbor Therapy Center, LLC in Navarre, Florida. At LCSW and RPT. She is also a certified compassionate bereavement care provider. Her journey into the field of mental health was deeply personal, inspired by the death of her son, Daniel D. Garza, to a rare blood disorder in 2009. In his memory, Daniel's Harbor was established in May 2019, embodying a vision of compassion, support, and understanding for those experiencing grief and trauma. As a veteran and spouse of a retired veteran, Naija brings a unique perspective to her practice. She specializes in grief and trauma, providing client-centered therapy to children, adolescents, teens, and families dealing with traumatic grief, trauma, and loss. Naija views therapy as a journey where she serves as a compassionate and empathetic guide, helping her clients navigate the complex paths of grief. Under Naija's guidance, Daniels Harbor has become a beacon of hope and support in the community, focusing on individual therapy. Utilizing play therapy and other therapeutic techniques, the center offers a unique environment for clients to explore and understand their grief. The mission of Daniels Harbor extends beyond therapy, emphasizing education and advocacy to help society and society recognize and understand traumatic grief as distinct from mental health disorders. Naisha, alongside her team, dedicated team is committed to providing support and fostering personal growth, accompanying their clients at every step in their journey through the safe haven of Daniels Harbor. Thank you so much, Naija, for being here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you guys for inviting me. I appreciate it. So thank you. You are so Do you want to expound a little bit more? We read your bio and it is very touching. Do you want to give us a little bit more background on just to elaborate on what what motivates you and just what your whole mission is about. Yes. Um, so as, as Kamiko was saying, um, my son, Daniel, he did die from a rare blood disorder in 2009. So with that, you know, with our culture in the black culture, you know, you really um, are not taught about grief or, you know, expressing feelings. So kind of um, dealing with that and navigating, you know, the what is like those the social norms of grief right having to deal with um oh you're still you're not over it you're still grieving like you know so trying to navigate through that and understand what I was going through trying to navigate through my grief and so I was like okay it was difficult because felt judged you know um think I was doing something wrong so I wanted to be able to provide a, a place for other people to come and know that, hey, what you're doing or what you're feeling, what you're going through is normal. It's not abnormal. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not, you know, you know, you're not depressed or anything like that. It's just that this is a traumatic loss that you didn't expect, right? It turned your world upside down. So that's the reason for me is why I um, created Daniels Harbor. Beautiful. All right. So I wanted to expand a little bit more. Because we are talking to communities of women of color, and it is so important. So many women I've, I've come across who 
it is a big thing, grief or loss. You know, it doesn't matter how long ago in some situations that it's occurred um, and understanding how to better navigate. So how do cultural backgrounds influence the way women of color experience and express grief uh, from your from your view? Um, I it impacts it a lot because once again, you know, we are a culture of where, um, you know, suck it up, right? you'll get through it. Don't worry about it. Pray about it. You know, and if you and, you know, being as, you know, having my faith, it's like, okay, pray about it. And then, you know, or God has a plan and things like that. You hear all these things, but it's like, I get that. But what about the feelings of it? Right. Like these feelings are intense, you know, and if you if people haven't been through it, they they don't understand it. Right. It's so easy for somebody to say, pray about it. You, you know, everything's going to be fine. No, it's really not, you know, especially when you, it's a big loss, like your child, you know, how do you come back from that? You know, how do you like, okay, just pray about it. And I'm supposed to be okay with that. No. So I think like, you know, um, so there's so much pressure, especially the women, um, because the pillars, you know, we are the ones that like set the foundation of the groundwork for everything. Right. So you have to be strong. You have to hold on to for everybody, right? So you have to be strong for everybody. You got to be like, okay, I got to do this. I got to do this because you're kind of making sure you're keeping everything running and, and not being able to just grieve, you know? So it's like you're on the go, go, go. So that's, um, yeah. So within the culture, I, I do feel like because everything is spiritual based, right? Within a black culture and forgetting that part about grief or feeling, just feeling in general. You know, it's something our culture we don't do. You know, it's like just, just yeah, feelings in general. Thank you. That's really that's really real. Thank you. Yes, definitely. And as I feel like when you lose a child, because I had a sister that lost a child. Not only are you grieving that little person, you're also grieving all the things that you plan for this little person, all the things that you're gonna miss with this little person, and it's like. You know, yes, I miss my little one, but what 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 kind of man would he have been? What kind of what sports would he have liked, or would he like books more? You know, so I think that making it okay for people to not only grieve the current child, but also mm-hmm. that future child, right? Because yeah. when it's a parent, it's like, oh, they've lived their life, right? <laughs> or you know, um, when my mom passed unexpectedly, she was young, but it was like, well, at least she got to see her grandchildren. You know, that's how I had to think about it. But it's still like, as with the little one, it's like. Well, darn, you know, I, I saw his little personality just starting to develop or her little personality starting to develop. And now mm-hmm. I don't get to see them that that mm-hmm. mature. So it's hard. And then you have to keep being the wife. You have to keep being the mom. You have to keep doing all these things. And it's like, I can do this, you know? So I remember having to go back to work and it's just like the whole world is still going, but mine has stopped. And yes. I think that people fail to realize that when you're grieving, you're just like, my world is stopped. And a lot of times I'm mad about it, but mm-hmm. expected to keep going and keep pushing. Yes. And it's, it's hard. So um, I'm so glad that you have Daniel's Harbor just to, to provide, I think even the word Harbor, I think safe, right? I, I remember mm-hmm. our water, you know, the storm typically by the time it gets to the Harbor, it's a lot calmer. So I, I just <laughs> love, I, I feel like that was probably purposeful. If not <laughs> well done. Right. <laughs> but it's just beautiful that, you have a place to go and be, you know, and it's like grieving is normal. So 
thank you for that. Um, I wanted yes. to just piggyback. Can I do a quick little piggyback on that? Just um, because it is so true when you think about loss as well as so many, you can have a different emotion with every loss, you know, like it's never like they're the same. It's like this loss of a child and then it could be the loss of a, a particular child. And I, I've, I've had not had a well. I've, obviously, in my family, a lot there have been people who've passed on. But the closest of people to pass on for me was my dad in 20, 2006. I had a brother who transitioned last year. But just still, those two relationships were so different. The emotions were so different. You know, it's not like it's like this one. You know exactly. what I mean? Type of a loss. It's, I think it all. You know, I never had lost a sibling, and so like this feeling mm-hmm. of a sibling. I had a, a sister-in-law who lost a friend last year, and that was a whole very, very difficult for her. And just like these relationships and what relationships mean to us, and you know what I mean, societal relationship as a sibling versus a parent versus a, a you know a cousin, but then also the personal relationship you have with the person too is just you know it can always feel different. It's like loss can be different if no matter how many we've had, they could just feel so different. It's, mm-hmm. Yes, exactly, and I know like. Like you were saying, kind of like with me and my husband, okay, we both, you know, we lost our son, but our grief is totally, our grief journey is so different. So, you know, it's understanding too that everybody does have their unique, you know, there's no right or wrong way to grieve, right? Mm-hmm. There's unhealthy ways, but there's not a right or wrong way, right? My journey going this way doesn't mean that, you know, if, if I'm grieving this way, my husband grieves that way, that we're doing it wrong, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like you said, we're different, unique people so our perspectives are going to be different right so I always tell my clients there's not a right or wrong way healthy there's healthy and unhealthy ways but there's not a right or wrong way to green right mm-hmm. so if my grief journey looks like this nobody can say well you're doing it wrong because I can you know I can tell me that I'm doing my you know how can you mm-hmm. tell me that my journey is wrong right and that's why grief is such a a lonely also lonely journey because you know like me and my husband. So, you know, like usually one of the spouse you can lean on during things. But now it's hard because we're both grieving. So we can't hold space for each other. So even helping my, my parents understand that, like, hey, it's okay that you can't hold space for your spouse. Doesn't mean you don't love them. Doesn't mean you can't be there for them. It's just saying, I'm going, you know, I'm going through it too. And you're on two different pages. Cause me and my husband were never, you know, mostly mine was anger. So I had a lot of, right? And his was, you know, he was getting to the point of, well, hey, you know, this is accepting, right? I'm sorry, getting to the point of accepting. And I was like, well, I'm not not there yet, right? I can't, you know, like um, the first holiday, well, let's try to keep the tradition of family pictures. Yeah, that's not, like, you know, my family's not whole anymore, you Mm -hmm. know? It was like, I'm not there. So trying to navigate the way we both, what we're both going through and trying and having to keep the communication open because a lot of times research also states, you know, like parents usually, um, couples don't last, right? They get divorced because of the death of a child, but it's knowing that the communication of it, communicating and allowing and respecting each other's journey, you know, just respecting Mm -hmm. it. You know, I don't understand his, but respecting it, giving him the space to grieve his journey. That makes a lot of sense. 
And, you know, a lot of times we will get a little upset. Like, why aren't you over here acting like me? Right. It's almost expecting ourselves and that person. And like you said, we're all on a different journey and how we deal with it is just that. And so even though it might create a little bit of a rift, it's like, okay, we both have to understand we both had a loss. So um, that leads us to our next um, one of our next questions. I'll do my question um, if that's okay. So honoring those loved ones, right? You mentioned traditions. And I think that the holidays is when things really come to a head where it's like, okay, we used to do A, B, and C, and now mm-hmm. we can't, or I don't want to, or it feels different. Or when you said my family's not complete anymore, like that kind mm-hmm. of stuck, right? Because yeah. you think of your, your family as this unit, and these are the mm-hmm. people that are part of it. And now I have a, a space that's, you know, my child is missing, or my mom is missing, or my brother is missing. and it almost feels, I've heard people say, like, we're forgetting them or like mm-hmm. they never here. And it's mm-hmm. hard. You know, some people might see it that way. No, we got to do everything the same um, mm-hmm. so we can honor them while the other person is like, no, pause. <laughs> I need a minute. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, do you feel, could you share with us um, and the listeners some ways to honor and remember our loved ones during the holidays so we don't those hopefully we can keep those, you know, those feelings at bay yeah so so i know like um the first is just knowing that it's okay that you know because it's like understanding that you're in a new normal right the old normal is no longer so i always say you know you're in a new normal you didn't ask for this new normal now you have to navigate through this new normal right so it's like the person you was prior you're no longer so even with the holidays it's knowing that it's okay if you know you're like I'm not feeling this, right? Or, you know, give yourself the space to know, like, just because I don't want to, if I'm not in the festive spirit, doesn't mean that, you know, um, you can't, like, still do the traditions, right? So, like, I know for our family each year, um, the first thing is getting an ornament, right? So we got a um, an ornament with Daniel's picture, and um, and then we always get a family ornament. So it's just knowing that it's okay to set new traditions. It's okay to, you know, incorporate that loved one, however you want to do it. Um, it's, like I said, there's no right or wrong way. So however you want to incorporate, it's knowing that it's okay to incorporate that loved one. Because people are like, like you said, either forget or um, you have other family members that feel like if we talk about it, they're going to be upset. It's like, well, there's, I'm already there. Right. So you talking about it, not going to do anything because I'm already upset, you know, so it's knowing that. So it, it's trying to navigate and letting people know, you know, let them know what you need. Right. So it's always saying this is what I need during this time. You know, like I need the space or I need this and knowing like it's OK, because most time that's that's the fear of forgetting that you feel like people, not only you forgetting, but you feel like the, everybody in the world. So as parents or just, you know, you want everybody to know this is my child. I want you to know my child's name. I need you to know my child's name. So it's knowing that, you know, it's helping the others really around you, helping them understand what you need, you know, so that's, yeah. And setting boundaries. And so, yeah. I don't know if that Thank answers you your question. That. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I yes, think definitely. That's so important. Mm-hmm. Okay, Kamiko, where you going? Okay. Um, yeah, when you mentioned the whole idea, and it, and I know we all have seen it, like people are there, they want to support you, but the fact of the matter is they 
they do pick up and go on. It's like, I'm sure I, I know I've done it. You know, and I know when someone else, you know, someone I love has had someone who's transitioned and you're there to support, but then I move on and, and you don't think about as much until you've gone through it that, you know, I'm still dealing with this and the world literally is has to pick back up. And I know in my heart, you know, in your heart and everyone can't stop with you. But at the same time, it's still like, I need the world to stop some. I do need it to stop. Yeah. So, you know, with that being said, the people who are going through it, when we're talking about women in this space, you know, because we do feel deeply and men feel deeply too, but you know, we're nurturers and, you know, um, I just think we carry things differently. How, what would you say are some coping strategies that, I know there are so many and everything is not for everyone, but what coping yeah. strategies have you found um, have been impactful for you? And then mm-hmm. even for people that you've, you've served, how, what coping strategies have you found to be like these big ones maybe that people, that maybe people could, could explore or maybe people haven't thought yeah. of just to expand that for some people? Yes. And I think like um, it is basically it's going to be communication, right? It's going to be the communication of setting boundaries, right? Letting people know this is what I need or this is not what I need, right? I don't need. So once again, like I said, setting the boundaries and it's also acknowledging your feelings because as women of color, you know, we try to just keep moving forward, right? Like everything's good. Everything's okay. We're not going to acknowledge it. But taking that moment to acknowledge because we feel like if we take that moment to acknowledge, we're going to spiral. Like, oh, my God, you know, I can't feel my emotions right now because I got to keep moving forward. But it's knowing that it's okay to feel your emotions. That's when, like, you know, you can sit there, acknowledge, feel your emotions, and then you're able to move forward because you just acknowledged it versus kind of just being in the background where eventually it's going to catch up with you and it's going to shut you down anyway. Right. So at least I can be like, okay, I'm in control right now. So I'm acknowledging it. I'm feeling it. And then I can be like, okay, now what do I need to do next? Right. So that's really the main thing as in far as is coping is just truly sitting with your grief, acknowledging it, validating it, knowing that what you're feeling, it is okay. And that you're not doing anything wrong because, you know, because you feel like, okay, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. Right. I don't want to be the one that is looking all sad or anything like that. But it's knowing like, but you are, you know, it's like you are sad, you know. You know, and and it takes more energy to pretend, right, to put a smile on your face and just knowing like, hey, this is where I'm at, right? And understanding that just because we're feeling that way, how others respond, we don't have control over that, right? So it's not, you know, it's not our fault if somebody takes my feelings and goes with it, right? It's like, I'm just letting you know how I feel, where I'm at with it. This is where I'm at, you know, still do you. There's because I feel like a lot of times people want to fix it, right? They want you to be like, come on, come on, come on. You can't fix it. I'm sorry, you know, there's nothing you can do to fix it. It's, you know, you have your good days, you're gonna have your bad days. It's just a journey, right? I see it as grief is a journey with no destination. I'm sorry, because you're just trying to navigate through it. Nobody knows with everybody's journey being unique. So, like I said, it's just acknowledging your feelings, setting the boundaries you know, and giving your giving yourself space, right? Or journaling. I always say journal, right? If you're angry, journal your feelings. Sometimes people um, don't want to write their feelings out. So it's like, then you burn it, you know, rip it out, burn it. But just finding different ways to get the feelings out. I even, um, the rage room, 
I don't know. I know there's this thing with rage rooms now. I know Pensacola has one. You can go in there and you can like smash stuff. And mm. so, I've never heard of that. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think it's the the best thing. I hate that I didn't come up with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, 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 yes. It's funny you mentioned that because I remember like you could, but I, I don't know if it was one in Pensacola that I saw, but you could like bust up TVs, you know, you go in there and you just go. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like this could be like team building, right? Because it's like, what if it doesn't always have to be negative? You know, it could be like, okay, we've had a stressful week. We hit the deadline. We met our goal. Let's, let's, you know, get that intense, those intense feelings out. So I think that sometimes people feel guilty for being angry, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. it's okay to be angry. How you manage it, though, is what's key. You know, it's like, Definitely. you can't go and be road raging because you're <laughs> mad at the world. Nobody else knows what's going on, right? Exactly. So I you know, having a safe place to talk about how you feel um, and being comfortable, like you said, with letting people know where you are. So I remember, like, my mom passed in August and my birthday is in February. Early February, my husband was like, what is wrong with you? I was mad. Like he could do no right, just mad. And he was like, what is going on? So I'm at work telling my friend about it. Oh, he just, oh, what? And I was like, I'm, it's my first birthday without my mom. And I'm mad about it. And I didn't even recognize it for what it was until I like, you know, talked myself into it. I'm like, you know, it almost like was a bell going off in my head. Like, you're mad because you're not getting a phone call this year. So it can be tough. It can be tough. And we don't, you know, we act a certain way and don't even know why we're acting the way that we are until that song comes on or you mm. see something they wrote or whatever it may be, you know? So I, I, I wanted to um, just own on that because even with my brother transitioning, it was a loss for me, but I think about my mom and a lot of times just to put a spin on how we term their grieving process, right? Because sometimes me and my sister are like, you know, mom's doing really good, you know, but, you know, like what really defines that? Like if this, it hasn't been a year for her son to be gone. If she, is she showing up in places like just bringing her natural spirit of who she is, you know, just like this loving spirit. But if she just chose to show up and she was really angry, would I term that as her not doing, you know, like this is like her grieving. And I have to remember that, you know, because sometimes I guess that is me thinking like, okay, she's okay, so I'm okay. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's bigger than me, you know what I mean? And I think that's a lot of times what we carry is people like, we want people, it is like one of you all just said it, you want people to be okay. But sometimes being okay is to be able to just express something, a, a huge void, a huge void um, yes. that could be there. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. You're yeah. right. I think we do gauge it that way. How do they outwardly appear? You know, <laughs> and and I think that feeds further into why we act a certain way after grief because we don't we don't want people asking us questions. We don't want people <laughs> assuming the worst. And it's like I, even my sisters would be like, because we have different moms. I'm like, girl, after, you know, when your mom passed, you just went in autopilot. Like you just planned the funeral, you did all the things, and da da da. And I'm like, on the inside, I was dying that I knew it had to be done. You know, and so. The next time it happened, nine months later, my grandfather passed, her dad, and it was like, same thing all over again. Boom, 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 boom. I just went into autopilot because it had to happen. Didn't really have time to process what actually was happening until months later. So I think that, you know, as the woman, a lot of the times we're expected to, to pull these things together and do all the things. I got into a point in my life, like people were 
I think it, let's see, my mom, my little nephew passed in 2013 and my great grandmother. So the oldest and the youngest in my family passed in the same year, one in January, one in December. And mm. then we didn't even tell my great grandmother about, you know, my, my baby nephew, because I was just like, she can't take it. She was 102 when she passed. Mm. And then from there, the next year was my mom. The next year was my grandfather. 2016, mm. I was like, God, please, I can't mm-hmm. take it. You no, know? it was just like, rapid fire almost. And I had gone years without losing family. So it, it can be a lot. And it almost, you know, when you lose, have a great loss and then you have another loss that you almost expect, you know, with your great grandma being 102, you know, you're on borrowed time at that point. There's different levels I feel of grief as well, because it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. this was almost expected. Maybe not today, but we knew that we're on borrowed time at 102, you know, (laughs) versus my mom was 49. Nephew was two months. So it's very, you know, it's, it's, it varies as well. Um, and the trauma that comes behind that, those facts, I've had patients who is like, they had so many losses in a year, or just, it's like you say, you haven't had time to even process one and now right. here's another. And then the, the lens that we could start looking at is the fear of another, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, yes. it's, it's, it's a lot. That's a lot. That's it a lot. is. Yes. And under. Yeah. And like you guys were saying, understanding, too, like you said, with your mom being 49, that's traumatic grief. Mm. Right. Understanding, too, like there's a difference between, like you said, um, we know the lifespan. Right. OK, we're born. We go through life. Then eventually, we know, we're, you know, we're, we're going to die. Right. Mm-hmm. But like you said, not you don't expect it at 49. Mm-hmm. Right. Or your brother. Right. Parents. So knowing those is just not like um, traumatic grief is just not the loss of a child. Right. It's any horrible, de- any unexpected death that happened that you're like, well, okay, where's this coming from? Even if you know that they may, you know, they may have been diagnosed with the illness, you know, you really can't prepare yourself, right? We say, okay, okay, okay. We know that they, okay, we know, they gotta, you know, we know they're diagnosed, we're going to go through it, but still you don't. It's still that same intensity, that same impact of it. You know, like you said, we, we just continue to go. Like my mm-hmm. daughter, my Started was five months. So um, for me, my son died and I still had to function for this five month old. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I had to continue going because at that point, my oldest was seven and she was, and I said, okay, Lord, I know he blessed us with her because if she wasn't, I don't know what I, you know, what kind of space I would have been in, especially with my seven-year-old being more self-sufficient. So, you know, so I really couldn't, it wasn't until my youngest maybe like one or two that I was able to really start my grieving process because, you know, that time she was, you know, fully dependent on me. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And thank you for saying that because I feel like a lot of times people think grief should occur right after that person passes away. And that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just don't have, I don't want to say time, but you don't have the mental capacity to deal with that. Yeah. Um, depending on how they passed or what life is looking like at that time, you don't have time. You got to, you know, process. Yeah, you're in survival mode. You're like. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Very yeah. true. So, um, and then, you know, the people say, well, it's been a year. What's wrong with me? Right. Or, you know, it's like, well, this is your first time to really even have a chance to even think about it. So there's nothing wrong. It was delayed. You know, it's just one of those things. So, and thank you for, for defining traumatic grief because, you know, people will try to make it seem like it shouldn't be that bad or, you mm-hmm. know, but unexpected death is hard um, mm-hmm. because it's just like, 
like with my mom, I was like, I just saw her yesterday. Like what happened, mm-hmm. you know? And we don't know, we don't ever know when our time is going to be, you know, yes, car accidents, we think, you know, traumatic, but mm-hmm. whenever you think of here today, gone tomorrow, or even yeah. they have this disease, but you know, they're too young or, you know, like you said, we know that lifespan. So rarely will you, you see the same public grief, possibly I'll put it that way, even at a funeral, right. Of a 102, like it was a celebration mm-hmm. of her life, yeah. truly, mm-hmm. of like, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful I got to see her, you know, she lived until I was an adult. My yeah. my year old son has vivid mm. memories of her, right? And it's like, many people don't get that. So we're, we're just glad we had you as long as we did. And we have all these memories and we still talk about her. Even over Thanksgiving, it's been 10 years next month. We still talk about the food that Big Mama used to cook, right? Because <laughs> a smile on our face. Because yeah. she, she left here, she was ready. She told us, I'm ready to go. Had her dress mm. and everything. So I'm like... <laughs> You know, that's that's a life well lived, I feel. Yeah, you know? So it, it just, you know, it's it's not a a crying moment for, for me at least. I can't speak for my my family. It's a mm-hmm. smile on my face. I'm so glad I got to know her. At one point we have five generations mm-hmm. living. So that is that is rare, you know. And so even my grandmother, her her daughter is now in her late eighties. And now, you know, we're we're creating my children will remember her like we remembered our great grandmother. So it's have to look at that traumatic grief that you that you that you mentioned too is just also I'm sitting here thinking about my two oldest friends like I think we've been friends since maybe 11 or 12 those are my oldest friends but both of them lost their moms as kids around the same age I didn't know them yet when they had because I think they were both either like seven or nine and I do, you know what I mean? I really see how even today they're they're 49, both of them. Um, and I can see still, and I shouldn't say still, because to me that like I'm expecting something to be, but like, I haven't gone through that. But I, I could imagine, you know, that's traumatic, especially depending on how the family was able to cope with things afterwards or provide them support or, but just even just a child being, I can't even say a girl versus a boy without their mom, but just a child without their mom at such a young young age and um their dads maybe not knowing themselves how to navigate it after that you know yes. you know these uh, that's um i guess that would i'm imagining that would also be a traumatic grief because um one of them the mom was sick one of them the mom was sick uh premature uh, uh i forget what you call it the the uh, rheumatic fever i think it was one of them was that and but but she was young and she still didn't understand it and the other, her mom had gone for a surgery. You know, most many of our moms, when they were younger, they had hysterectomies for their fibroids. And the um, surgeon put the anesthesia down her esophagus to her stomach and set it down her windpipe. And she had passed, she passed away. So that was completely uh, okay. here today, gone tomorrow. You know, yeah. like these levels of, uh, and, and you can really carry it with you your entire life. And yeah. Mm-hmm. You do like you're saying because like you said it's just even as now as 49 year olds it's still that like you said depending on how it in the childhood right because you know a lot of times we go through grief or there's like okay can't talk about it right it's taboo it becomes like especially in a black community it becomes taboo don't talk about it don't say nothing about it because you're they're gonna you know you're gonna make them feel this way right but it's like so but to children at times it makes you feel like okay well did you just forget about it? Do we not talk about it? So they don't feel comfortable talking about it now. 
because the adults around them are not talking about it. So they hold on to it, right? It's like, okay, what's happening? You know, why is, or people, you know, sometimes people like to move quickly, you know, well, you know, like trying to just erase everything, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes they just erase it all. But it's like, no, it's a process, right? You can keep your stuff for however long you, you know, you need to keep it for, you know, but you feel like society is trying to rush. So I always tell my clients, don't allow society to rush you through your grief. You know, it's a process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. Yeah, the way society sees it, it's like, okay, like, you know, what you get how many days off? Like, you know, people get how many, like three, four days? Wow. <laughs> you know, so now it's like, okay, you got your three or four days, now you should be okay. No, right. not. It's a process, you know, so society makes it look like it's just something you got to just, you know, like this, for me, the same time heal all wounds. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it doesn't, it's still there. And I appreciate you saying that because even thinking, you know, how much has society impacted me and my psyche and how I might navigate this and and sound like the society, you know what I mean? Because- You know, you have to sometimes just take a step back and really think for yourself and not just be pulled into what a system tells you is a way to do something. Um, And we we are, as people of color, we most of us come from places of so much community and connection. It's a it's real. The connections are so strong. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. So so like I'm saying, just, you know, go. It's your journey. It's your pace. You know, don't allow anyone to tell you. You know, oh, well, you, you still got the stuff. You still got pictures. You're still doing this. They make it seem like you're something is wrong with you because, you know, okay, you know, it's it's not like people say it's a shrine. No, it's me showing I love, you know, my love. It's like understanding that um, how deeply you love is going to be how deeply you grieve. And I don't think people understand that. That's yeah. good. That is good. Yeah. Because it, I think even, have you know so so an example would be um after my mother passed I was you know working in psych and I had a patient come in and she was telling me how much she hated her mom and after Mm -hmm. the third I hate my mom I was like I'm sorry I have to stop you right here right Mm -hmm. because I couldn't take it anymore you know Mm -hmm. I'm like I can't do this and I was like I just lost my mom unexpectedly and I cannot hear you say that again I'm sorry Mm -hmm. but today Mm -hmm. is not the day Mm-hmm. And her whole face was like, you know, and it was so interesting because it was very, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But I think in the work that we do, a lot mm-hmm. of times we have to make sure we're well. Right. And and I think sometimes we're seen as um, like these super people that don't have lives outside of that office. Mm-hmm. And so I'm um, going back to three days is not enough. You know what you're yeah. doing, you know, Monday through Friday or whatever hours and days you work. You cannot come in there not in the right space. That's when mistakes happen. That's when things can go wrong. And it's like you might not be able to make your um, employer understand that. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand it so you can move accordingly, whatever that looks like for you. Because um, I, I remember thinking, yeah, I think it's probably a little bit too early to be back at work. It had been like two weeks at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, nope, I probably need to go up back home for a little while longer because I'm not ready. You know, all the things, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, keeping your own meter, so to speak, of how you're doing is important because you don't want to appear a certain way when it's like, oh, it's I'm grieving, and it might be, well, what's wrong? You were fine last week, you know, but yeah. it might be, you know, that milestone or something coming up, or 
You just mm-hmm. never know. And it's like, oh, you know, having that reminder of they should have been graduating now. They would have been starting kindergarten now. She didn't get to see my children graduate. You know, just little things like that where it's like, oh, you know, so I think that it's a, like you said, it's a journey. And I love that. And we have to constantly monitor where we are because it can it could just be a bad week for all we know or a certain song radio. That's me. Christmas time, we used to always sing Silent Night by The Temptations. We try to sing all mm-hmm. the things silly together. <laughs> and now I, I can laugh about it where I used to cry about. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is why this holiday season is such a thing because there usually are so many memories and also not for everyone, but I know when I used to work in hospice, so many people passed right after a holiday. It's just like, uh, I think two of my grandparents passed right after Thanksgiving. Both my parent, mom's parents passed right after Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? So it's just like my dad passed a few days before Christmas and that was his favorite holiday. He turned, he was like a little Scrooge. And it was like at the holiday, he would buy all the gifts. You know, that was just like his time. You know what I mean? But I, I think it just it, it is why this time of the year and speaking about this now is so big because I just think it really does it brings up so much for so many people. So many people's depression increases around this time of the year, uh, you know, and it is those milestones or those memories or the first of something that happening or, you know, that this this time of the year represents for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we really appreciate your time today and sharing your knowledge and expertise with us surrounding grief. And I, I definitely learned something Um, just because I think that we kind of have our own preconceived notions of what grief is, what it should feel like, what it should look like. And sometimes just being told it's okay. That's the way, you know, the way you're doing things is quite all right. So I, I appreciate that because, um, you know, we, we tend to keep pushing, keep going, um, and wonder why we're not feeling well or why we're upset or we're not sleeping or having panic attacks. And it's like, because you your world flipped upside down and you tried to keep going when that was not the best way to move. So I am going to share um, a few ways that you all can find Naisha and Daniels Harbor. Um, the website is www.danielsharbor.com. They're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Daniels Harbor. Instagram, the handle is at Daniels Harbor Therapy. And then also on LinkedIn, um, search for Daniels Harbor Therapy Center. And um, as far as licensing goes, because she is um, a therapist as well, the LCSW, uh, providing services in Florida, Texas, Alabama, and soon to be Mississippi. So if you are in any of those areas, please look up Naija and Daniels Harbor. She has a wonderful team that can support you during your grief, your trauma, and many other things. So thank you, Queens. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Good day, Queens. Thank you.